This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions. Today's big question, how do we reboot life? We're asking today's big question to Steve McAlpine. Steve works with Third Space, an initiative of City Bible Forum which engages the big questions of life, faith and culture. He's a popular blogger, author and speaker and he loves exploring the bigger questions raised by our culture and he joins me now. Steve, welcome to Bigger Questions. Oh, it's great to have finally cracked the bigger time. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Steve, you love writing and reflecting on ideas and apparently your first published piece was a grade two story about a family of mice being terrorised by a shark on the beaches of Perth. Now, that's a very creative story. Did it end well for the mice? It did. It didn't end well for the shark because they caught the shark and uh, ate the shark. Mice eating <laughs> shark. But uh, it's how prescient, eh? how prophetic, because uh, sharks have been the, the big thing in Perth the last few years. So that's why yeah. my mum's my still got that story. Uh, you know, she keeps it with your first uh, lock of hair or jumper or, you know. <laughs> and that's, that's what happens to a blogger, is it? You get your first story as well, your first published work. That's what, that's right. what happens. It was a... Uh, it was grade two, Palmyra Primary School, 1974, <laughs> three <Sure>. or four. <laughs> but that sort of has sparked a journey for you, though, of writing, though, Steve, because you do love writing and engaging ideas. Yeah. It's when I write narrative pieces about my life and uh, family relationships that I get most response. And I've had people write yeah. to me from around Australia, <laughs> letter, email, text, phone, saying that moment in that narrative struck me and changed me and I think narrative is so critical because we seem to have lost our story in many Mm. respects and stories they do something. Mm. But now Steve to kick off bigger questions uh, we do like to ask a couple of smaller questions just to get us thinking. Now today we're talking about rebooting life so Steve I thought I'd ask you just one smaller question about rebooted tv shows. Now, we're often referred to rebooting as restarting a computer, but it's also been used in reference to restarting old television series or movie franchises. So, Steve, our smaller question to you is, which of the following was ranked by critics as the worst TV series reboot? Okay, was it A, MacGyver, B, Fuller House, which was a reboot of the 90s sitcom Full House, C, 90210, reboot of Beverly Hills 90210, or D, Postman Pat? So which of those was the worst, according to critics, was the worst TV series reboot? Well, if the original's starting from a low bar, I'd have to say C. Not a two one. That was the worst. Yeah. Well, actually, the worst, according to critics, was actually A, MacGyver. Maybe it was the, the fact that the original series was perhaps more highly regarded. <laughs> Maybe that was part of the issue, but it was actually A, MacGyver. Critics really didn't like it, even though the reboot has lasted for a few seasons. Oh. So do you have a favourite TV or movie reboot, Steve? I'd have to say Cobra Kai, based on the Karate okay. Kid. The black and white Johnny Bad and, you know, the Karate Kid good, that, that's not there. It's so nuanced. I love the show. And the fact that both of the main characters are the producers of the show and have written it in such a nuanced way, uh, I absolutely love it. And it shows my age as well. But uh, <laughs> the fact that both actors are older than Mr Miyagi's uh, you know, the actual character, Pat Morito, at the time of filming, he looked 100. And now the, uh, skincare <laughs> products have come a long way in the last 30 years, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so do you think that reboots can ever be as good as the original? 
Yeah, I mean, same with music. I think covers can be uh, better than the original. I think of uh, Johnny Cash's version of Nine Inch Nails' song "Hurt." Uh, so I think they can be, and I think what they bring to it, they bring to modern sensibility to it. They, uh, mm. Reboots are definitely more nuanced, where the bad character is not as bad, or not a cardboard cutout, and the good character has flaws. That's why I've liked Cobra Kai, is because mm. uh, the Karate Kid, oh, you know. It just needs a bit of a kick to the face, a roundhouse from Johnny occasionally to keep him in his place. <laughs> but why do so many of them not work, though? They just don't seem to quite capture the something of the original essence of the show, that they, uh, the magic of the original show, so to speak. Because um, you can't go back in some respects. It's hard to go back to the original magic of something because you're, you can't do something for the first time a second time. And I think, you know, too much of it, of course, is that the original was so, it, it might have been created to be a great piece of art or just tell a great story and it made a lot of money. And then the reboot's mm. going, made a lot of money, huh? I wonder how we can sort of, uh, sort of lever a story into that and make a lot of money. So mm. there's something um, innocent almost about the essence of the first thing that you can't recapture. Mm. So we can reboot computers, TV shows, um, but what about life? Because after the challenges and the weariness of 2020 and the pandemic, which is unprecedented uh, in many respects, it caused a lot of people to wish 2020 to finish up so that we can start again in 2021 to, to refresh and reboot, so to speak. So can you appreciate why people would want to reboot life uh, in 2021? Oh, for sure. I can see why, because every January without COVID, people reboot by signing up to the gym in droves yeah. <laughs> or uh, getting divorced in droves. Yeah, you know, January is the time to that get That happens divorced. in January, does it? Yeah, that's, a, that's, it does. A, that's a common thing. Christmas thing. Begin yeah. a new year. Yeah, we're going to begin afresh. Which the conceit of that, of course, is that January the 1st is uh, an arbitrary issue. Uh, if if we say that history is moving in a certain direction or your life's going in a certain direction, the months and years themselves, as they tick over and then come back to you, are kind of arbitrary. Of course, there's seasons mm. in life and things like that, you know, the, the way <laughs> the planet turns and uh, we revolve around the sun. But the idea that the 1st of January of a new year makes everything clean and possible again, uh, surely that's a triumph of hope over experience, I would say. But mm, you can see why mm. in 2021, what a year. And then here we are in February and I think we're feeling like, could 2022 come along pretty quickly? <laughs> <laughs> well, because that's the thing is now 2021 is actually here. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of similarities to 2020. There's snap lockdowns, border closures, uh, new, even more viral strains of COVID. So how do you think people are coping? Well, they're not. I mean, we had fires here in Perth that just mimicked the fires in Sydney from last year the year before mm. and COVID happening at the same time and we went into a lockdown. It was like, let's do the time warp again was the song that everyone was. It felt like if I got up tomorrow morning, uh, I heard I Got You Babe on the clock radio. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Groundhog Day. <laughs> what? Because there's the issue, isn't it? Groundhog Day is a reboot every day, but something does move forward in that story. And yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting how it does that. So mm. I, I think there's there's a sense in which we desire something and we can't really see it happening, but we, we put in measures to see if we can like dates and times and changes of season to almost put those in place. And I, mm. I think we want to reboot something 
what can we control the most that we can reboot? Usually ourselves mm. or on my your haircut or whatever yeah. it is. <laughs> so you said before about uh, hope versus experience or hope over experience. So we do tend to, you know, with those arbitrary seasons or, or mm. dates or whatever they are, we tend to put uh, privilege, hope over experience. Is that naive then to just sort of think, well, I'm just going to hope the next year is going to be better or, or hope that something's going to be better because of this arbitrary date or thing that I put in there? You've got to have hope, uh, you know, without hope. And here we are. This is what we're getting back to, that there's a lot of anxiety and worry in our culture because what if that was mm. the best we'd ever had? What if 2019 was the peak? You know, what if, you know, the classic guy who, you know, peaked at high school, getting back to Cobra Kai <laughs> and, <laughs> and what if it what if the rest of our lives in the next 15 to 20 years are a hard slog fest could we cope with mm. that and people are worried that we can't and so they need to put in arbitrary markers but hope itself mm. is a good thing uh you know it's the classic stories of the concentration camps it was the people who held on to hope many of them that survived mm. far longer you know outside of being their lives been taken out so hope is in there, but you, hope has to be based on evidence and mm. uh, not wishful mm. thinking. Otherwise, hope then just becomes, it's disconnected from, from reality. But I do think that mm. that loss of hope and the disconnection from this could just get worse and worse has seen this rise in mm. mental health issues in, in our country at the moment, worry and mm. anxiety. Now, you just mentioned about the, the notion or the concept that perhaps, you know, if 2019 was the peak, uh, maybe the, how, does, how do we know that that's the case? Because there is a, the, the notion of reboot implies that somehow that the future will be better. So where do you think that we get that idea that the future is going to be better uh, in, based on hope somewhere that things are going to improve? Well, it's interesting that we live in a context where people say they've got uh, an idea of progress or what we call the myth of progress. And myth, mm. we don't mean it's not true, but just it... It embeds itself culturally within us that together we're seeing we're going somewhere, we're heading somewhere. Uh, as a Christian, I'd say that comes from a biblical framework and biblical understanding of how history is put together. Whereas many mm. of the ancient pagan context and even the modern, many modern religious frameworks, especially Eastern uh, philosophies, are cyclical, where everything comes around. It's karma, it's uh, reincarnation. Mm. But the Christian framework has a sense of the spiral, it's more of a spiral upwards, that history's going towards somewhere and things repeat themselves. But the Christian framework is that God started something and he's going to bring it to completion. And that's a critical difference. And I think people who take on a an idea of progress, but kind of jettison the Christian framework of why progress is, go or why history's going somewhere, have to re-examine why they might do that and on what basis they would believe, for example, that the arc of history bends towards justice. Well, mm. where, where, where would you get that idea? I mean, Martin Luther King Jr. said that, but he got that idea from the Bible because he was steeped in yeah. the story. Uh, you can't just take that. The arc of history is, you know, bent uh, towards justice if you don't know what the arc of history even is. Mm. But can't that come from, say, the Enlightenment, for example? Because it has been claimed that the human well-being and welfare has improved since the Enlightenment and that some would put that to, to science or to better thinking. So psychologist Steven Pinker says, by every major measure of human well-being, from personal safety to longevity to economic security to happiness, people everywhere are far better off today than they were before the start of the Enlightenment in the 17th century. So the world's getting better, but, but why do you need to have... God to do that? Why can't you just, isn't that just the function of the enlightenment and better thinking? I was going to quote Pinker and then you pulled it out, the, the, <laughs> the rabbit out of the hat. Uh, Pinker would exactly say that. Uh, 
Um, yes. and, and some of the criticism of Pinker is it's very easy to say that when you're a white, Western, well-educated man living in a great city. The idea that life is happier, et cetera, et cetera, we've got more, we've got better health, that's true. But that's one indice. And so mm. the basis of the Enlightenment is a presumption that, you know, almost like the Enlightenment is uh, decades or century zero mm. of this new movement. But that, of course, is built on other things, which is built on an understanding of who God is and how God has worked. The Enlightenment mm. thinkers were ostensibly Christian, even if they didn't call themselves Christian, because they thought, acted and wrote and worked and assumed uh, knowledge on the basis that there was a universe that was going in a certain direction and that certain functions happened within that universe. Mm. So is that connected to the idea that uh, to, in order to reboot or to feel that things will improve, that you need to have a, a, a bigger story, so to speak, that's going to tell you where to go or that's, that, has, that actually has a future and a vision for the future? Well, it's interesting you say that because one of the architects of one of the sexual shifts in our culture in the West, or one, someone in, in Australia who talks about, I believe firmly in a, a future of joy and happiness and goodness. And everyone's got a story. So the sexual revolution story is that we cast off the chains of repression and sexual puritanical ways of being in order to liberate, liberate ourselves that coincidentally it's the age of Aquarius, you know. And so I think everyone has to try to find a narrative and Christians clearly have a narrative about it, but let's own it. Let's everyone own their narrative. And then you can explore that narrative and say, is there anything in that narrative, that story that you believe that indicates there could be a reboot that would take us somewhere better than we are? Mm. But why the Bible? Why do you think that actually offers something better? Well, I think if you want to split the Bible up into four parts, you'd take the first two chapters first, and then you've got an awful lot left over for the other three parts. Uh, but the story of, of the created order, of how God puts everything together in order and calls it good. Now, when he says it's good, he's not talking about its moral perfection. He's talking about its um, it works towards what it's destined to do. And the rest of the Bible is showing that someone threw a spanner in the works <laughs> and the created order has fallen away from doing what it was destined to do. And God, rather than scrap the project, steps back in in the person of Jesus and resolves that. And Jesus is now the centre of what God's doing and will bring history to what it's destined to do, which is everything will work in its way the way it should. It'll just work well. And this is something that was interesting. I remember bumping into someone from Greenpeace who was asking me in the street for some support and I said no but you know some of the things you do are good I'm a Christian and he goes oh yeah Garden of Eden and all that we want to get back to that and I went actually we don't want to go back <laughs> uh, the Bible talks about going forward and Jesus mm. is we're not looking for reboot it's resurrection I'm not looking to come back as my old Steve I suppose <laughs> Yeah, but you know, unpack that a bit. Well, you just mentioned the idea of uh, the biblical idea of resurrection versus reboot. So, what's the difference between the two? I think what our culture is saying is we can get a telos or a goal or an end that brings us to a beautiful place without any cataclysmic change that has to happen to us. We think that all change has to happen from us, and that would also mm. be a triumph of hope over experience if we said that didn't break a lot of eggs to get it. <laughs> a lot of omelettes have been created on that basis, but a lot of eggs got broken to make those omelettes and many <laughs> of them failed. Uh, so the Christian understanding of Jesus died and was raised, not back into the 
old creation but into a new creation and resurrection is the christian hope now often we talk about the fact that christians are you know will you go to heaven when you die as if we're going to float around on a cloud like a bit of glad rap playing a harp the christian hope isn't disembodied it's embodied resurrection in a new creation and that's the hope and that doesn't mean to say we just sit around and wait for it it means we live now as if that were true we do now good and quality things and forgiveness and love and justice Mm. now Mm. because that's coming in its fullness later not a reboot but a resurrection yeah because someone found that that idea of sitting around on a a cloud playing harps doesn't sound a particularly appealing thing to do for all eternity Unless you're a harpist in a symphonic orchestra, but yeah, I would concur. <laughs> I mean, why do you want to go to that? That just sounds awful. But that's not what the Bible paints as the picture. It paints a picture of a city. Mm. So it starts in a garden in the Bible and it ends with a garden inside a city. And there, you'd have to say there's nothing better than a city that works that's full of life and gardens and trees. There's something about that mm. that's a great image. And that's what the Bible's present with. So you're saying that's connected to this biblical story of progression, so to speak, that there's actually going to be a, a telos, which is a, sort of a meaning to the, an end or a purpose to where mm. things are. So hence that maybe does that connect them with our sort of innate sense that we do want something to be better, to improve? Well, I think the alternative is fatalism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and perhaps in one sense in cyclical cultures, which said the four seasons indicate that life just goes around in a circle, the circle of life. Well, I believe the spiral upwards of life so that... It doesn't mean everything will get better in this age, but I do believe in enough that uh, if God has given his goodness to the world, that even those who don't admit that he might exist or worship him do good and can do good and can make life better. And I think those are good things because they're built into us Mm. by God, I think. Mm. Well, you mentioned before the resurrection and the, the transformation that can happen. And some of that is described in a book uh, or part of the book of Romans in the New Testament, where the author, the Apostle Paul, writes in Romans 6 4, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. This passage here seems to link the idea of resurrection of Jesus to the new life of the believer. Let's unpack a bit more about what you mean about how Jesus' resurrection impacts the lives of uh, his followers today. His resurrection is a vindication of his humanity, not just uh, God raised him in a spooky sort of way because he's God. God raised him because he was the perfect man. Mm. And to be in Christ means to be a new creation, not a reboot, but all in this old decaying body that I am. <laughs> Uh, something's being transformed that one day will be fully realised at the resurrection. So Christians do social justice or goodness or all of those things, not on the basis that the world is never changing, but on the basis that God will change it one day fully Mm. to reflect fully what justice looks like, Mm. to reflect fully what mercy looks like. So it's a taste of the future. Christians can work towards the future confidently because they believe in the resurrection. Other people can work towards the future but you, I, I say the question you want to ask is, are you rebooting or are you heading towards resurrection? That's, that's a difference, I think. Because mm. 2019 might have been the peak. And so if you are working towards these things, you might actually be fighting a losing battle. Is that what you're saying? Oh, definitely. I think if you're saying you've got no proof of knowing, I think. So there's a certain confidence in we're heading towards a progressive, better understanding of the world. Well, prove that you know history isn't a cable car ride to the top of a mountain it's a roller coaster ride if you want to look back 
The resurrection says, well, despite the roller coaster, there is going to happen something, something's going to happen that God is going to intervene in the way that he intervened by raising Jesus and that he will resurrect uh, a new creation fully and finally. And in small ways, Christians are living that now mm. and showing what that might look like. Mm. That's connected to what it says here in Romans 6 about that we too may live a new life. That new life is that life you're describing there, is it? Yes. And if someone comes, uh, be, becomes a Christian who's come from a setting where they're going, oh, I see what my old life is like and I look at my new life and they're very different lives, they, they, they think, I don't know how that happened because it wasn't me rebooting my life by gritting my teeth and, you know, doubling down. Uh, it's interesting that I know plenty of people who come from very difficult backgrounds who have become Christian and they go, it wasn't me that changed me. It was something else. It was someone else. And it doesn't feel like a reboot. It feels like old has gone, new has come, mm. even though I still live in age and, you know, had to deal with all the struggles of life. But they realise that they're tapped into something bigger than themselves through Christ. And I think they... The, the popular imagination of reboot, it's so stuck in us like a burr because it's put there by God. And when God, you know, the, the Bible says that God has put eternity in the hearts of human mm. beings. Uh, I think it's it's not a design fault that we think about the future. It's, it's part of the code. Mm. It's written into us to think about a future going forward. But why can't I just work really, really hard to reboot my life and just, you know, and, and be a self-made person, so to speak? No, you can. And many people do it well, and uh, and then they die. I, I guess I would say uh, I've never met anyone who doesn't think that death is a big issue. Mm. But conversely, and it's interesting, someone mentioned last year on something I read from someone who worked at Yale, for all of the conversation in the humanities department that they were in, none of the students ever spoke about death mm. as if it was not existent. Yet it clearly is, and it's going to take us all. <laughs> and so the Christian message is that death is not the end of it. So the reboot of life can happen every year. And I think you do peak, you know, you, you know, I like to run and there's going to be a point where I'm not as fast. It's just going to happen. And those things happen and we can reboot or reposition ourselves in different stages of life and different, well, I'm, mm. I'm the grand senior person. I'm rebooting myself as the older sort of mm. avuncular person, but Eventually you end up in, you know, maybe a, a room by yourself in an aged care facility because you can't look after yourself. Mm. That happens. And uh, that's the critical issue because I think you can be amazingly rebooting yourself all throughout life, but you'll still, it will still end. Bitter, painful, obviously clearly cancerous end is life. Mm. So how about you then, Steve? So how has this new life in Christ affected you with the challenges of 2020 and beyond? Well, I think one of the things I've always wanted to reboot in my life is to have more patience. And uh, if your patience has ever been tested, it's been 2019, 2020, 2021. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think as a Christian, I go, I don't, I live it by faith and I want the transformation in my life to occur. But it's, it's taught me not to put all my hopes in a better future in the sense of this life will give you, um, you know, a, a great career, plenty of opportunity to travel, plenty of time with friends, 
your income will steadily go up. Your children will have a better life than you've had. Uh, property prices will do this or that or the other. And you've got all this speculation about this trajectory you're on. And suddenly that stops. And perhaps it's just a mini taste of what would happen, say, somewhere in the Balkans during the 80s and 90s, where countries that seemingly were at peace and places like Sarajevo, which hosted the Winter Olympics, 10 years later, were places of mm. bloody civil conflict. And you think, oh, history doesn't necessarily take us on an upward trajectory all the time. Mm. These things happen. And I won't say that we're going to have you know, civil war, but it, it might just be enough to put the edge on us and take and taint our idea of the future. Mm. If this pandemic kept going and just kept going and kept biting at our heels for another four to five years, it'd be very interesting to see how people's understanding of rebooting uh, would be come 2022 or 2023 if this keeps going. Mm. So are you more patient? Uh, you would have to ask my wife and children. <laughs> no, I have learned it. What I learned, I think, is that I thought I was more patient than I was until I got put into lockdown all the time. Mm. It wasn't very long in Perth, but I realised that my desire for uh, alone time was a little bit selfish. Mm. <laughs> and so I would say that God was teaching me something in that. And that's the other thing that I think as the Christian framework, in the midst of struggles and in the midst of places where you can't reboot and it's struggling, that part of that new creation aspect of our lives is to say, I want to start behaving now more like I'm going to be in the new creation because I can't imagine impatience as part of the new creation or grumbling. I think those are the two big things, I think. And how do I, in Christ, grumble less, be patient more? Mm. And your hope for the future then impacts that today, I suppose? Yes, I think uh, the Christian message is that the resurrection, which is promised on the last day and was an understanding by the Jewish faith that the resurrection would happen on the last day when God poured his spirit upon the world, has been sort of dragged into the present day and like a rubber band or a bungee rope is dragging us to the future. So those who belong to Christ, who's resurrected already here, are being sort of pulled along to him. And I think that's that's a great understanding of where we're progressing. Mm. Like a bungee cord. Like a bungee cord, except not going down. Let's just make sure that we're <laughs> on a slight trajectory there because I've never done bungee and never intend to. <laughs> so, Steve, how do we reboot life? I think you have to understand that there's only so much you can do to change the surface of things. But the Bible and Jesus had said, unless someone is born from above or transformed by God within, uh, the change doesn't happen. It's called new birth in the Bible, that it's something that has to happen to you from outside of you, and only God can do that. You can change the surface, you can bulk up, you can uh, do leg day more often, but the change that you really need has to come from someone else within you. And that's where I think the gospel of Jesus is the important thing. Well, let me leave you with some of the Bible's answer to the big question, how do we reboot life from Romans 6.4? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. I look forward to you joining us next time for Bigger Questions. Thanks very much to our guest today. Steve McAlpine. Thanks very much, Rob. Enjoy Bigger Questions? You can help us keep asking them for as little as $1 a podcast. Support the show. Go to patreon.com slash biggerquestions.